I want to do this. I want to invite you to Psalm 23. If you're new with us, my name is Johnny Pereira, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here. And uh, if you are new, man, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, obviously, we normally meet on Sundays, but we are glad that you're here on this Saturday night. And we've been in this series now for one week. We kicked it off last week uh, in Psalm 23. And we mentioned this last week, and I just want to recap, but I also want to say this. If you need to know this because I get questions about this often, like, where can, uh, I missed a week, where can I hear the message, where can I find the message? And so if you go to our website, harvestws.org, uh, we, have, we video our messages so you can watch those, you can watch those on your phone, uh, on your tablet, on your computer, um, and you can also subscribe to our podcast and post, post the audio as well. And so if you miss a week, uh, you can catch up on that. I know our life groups already know that, but I, I get that question literally every week. And so I want to make mention not to think that everyone doesn't realize that. And, uh, and so uh, I encourage you, anytime we're in a series and you miss a week, to catch up to that week. Because last week we spent significant time really setting up Psalm 23, and I don't want to do that again today. But if you ask anyone that you work with that doesn't even probably that doesn't even maybe believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you said, "Can you tell me a verse from Psalm 23?" Probably most everyone that you would ask that question to, pose that question to, would be able to say that they are familiar with Psalm 23. It's probably one of, if not the most well-known passages of Scripture in the entire Bible. And there's those of us who believe every word of that to be true. There's others of us that don't believe any of it and just look at it as a poem that hangs on our wall or in a hospital room or wherever that may be. And then there's others of us in this room right now, if we were honest, in this very moment, we would say, even as followers of Jesus Christ, that we are doubting Psalm 23 to be true. We'd never utter that out loud, but if we were honest with ourselves, maybe even tonight we would say we are struggling to believe, to really believe that what we have looked at last week and we'll look at for the next weeks going into the month of February, that what this passage says is really true. And I've entitled this series of Psalm 23, Unafraid, Living in the Security of Psalm 23. Because many of us, if we're honest, are gripped by fear right now, anxiety, angst, whatever it may be, and we're living, we're being paralyzed by that. And what we find in Psalm 23 is God's words to us in order for us to experience not lacking want in our lives being unafraid in our lives, living in the security of the good shepherd. Last week we looked at this idea that my heart is satisfied when the Lord is my shepherd. We looked at that at verse one. And we mentioned that verse one is a life that we all desire where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we also mentioned that every one of us are following someone or something to provide the promise that's found in Psalm 23.1. Every one of us. And remember we put up there that sentence but we left a blank and asked all of us to think about what would we put in that blank. Blank is my shepherd, I shall not want. And what we mentioned last week is if there's anything other than the Lord 
in that blank and anyone other than the Lord that we're looking at as shepherd, we are not going to experience the reality of the promise that's found in Psalm 23, 1. And so I want to invite you to be in Psalm 23 if you're not there already, whether that's in your Bible that you have in your hand, whether that's a Bible that you have on your phone or whatever it may be. And we're going to read Psalm 23 together. If you remember last week, and we have these at our Welcome Center, these cards that we printed out that have Psalm 23 uh, just on a card, and we encourage every person to memorize this psalm if you don't already have it memorized. And if you do have it memorized, that you would just put it in a place, just like those who maybe don't have it memorized, so that it's, it's on your refrigerator, it's on your dashboard, wherever you look at it often, and whether or not this f- is familiar to you or not, that we would be bathing ourselves in the words that is found in this amazing psalm so that we can experience the security of our good shepherd, so that we can be afraid. Now, last week I encouraged you to memorize verse 1. So when we read Psalm 23 here in a moment, hopefully you don't even need to look at your Bible when we come to verse 1. So are you ready? You ready to read Psalm 23? If you're ready, say, you're, say I'm ready. All right, so let's, let's say verse 1. Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now you may need to read your, look at your Bible, and that's okay. Verse 2, it says this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever." One verse a week, unpacking the security that is found in our good shepherd. And we come to verse 2, which is where we're going to be tonight. And really, I'll just mention that verses 2 through through 6 are really a fleshing out of the reality of verse 1. Like some of us may be, oh, I'm not experiencing contentment, lack of want why should I trust in the Lord as my shepherd and if that's you and you're asking that question I'm glad you're asking and I'm glad you're asking it here because what we're going to see in verse 2 and what we're going to continue to see in these verses that we will unpack for the next several weeks hopefully my prayer for you and really my prayer for me And I can say in studying this over the last few weeks that I've been able to see the reality of this psalm in a greater way, to really believe it, to really see it. My hope is that we would really live it in a way that we never have before. So Psalm 23, 2, we saw it. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. But here's the reality. Many of us in this room, even tonight, if we were honest, would say our hearts are not experiencing green pastures. 
if we had to describe our heart, maybe we would say it like this. And if, if I had to literally draw a picture of my heart right now, I would say it looks like a barren wasteland. Like, no vegetation, no life, definitely would not be described as green, but would be described as barren. It's dry, without water. Maybe that's you. It's you tonight. But I want to encourage you as a side note, David knows what that's like. David is the one who wrote this psalm under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, if you didn't know that. And if that's you tonight and you're saying, man, my heart just feels dry, it feels barren, it feels like a wasteland, I feel empty, just listen to these words that, psalm, that David says in Psalm 63.1. He says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. David knows what it's like to feel like that. But what we're going to remind ourselves is that God doesn't want you to stay there. Your shepherd doesn't want you to stay there. Your shepherd doesn't want you to be content with your heart feeling dry and barren. Because that contradicts what we see our good shepherd wants to do for us in verse 2. We come to the second phrase. He not only makes me lie down in green pastures, but it says he leads me beside still waters. And, and you might say, man, if I'm really honest, Johnny, about my life, about what I'm experiencing, about what I'm feeling in my heart, I would say, man, it's anything but still waters, but I'm fearful and I'm anxious. And if you had to picture what my heart looked right now, it would look like a white water, rapid, river. That would describe my heart. Anything but still. Because I'm so fearful and I'm so anxious about the unknown circumstances that I may be facing or the, or the diagnosis that I've been given or whatever it may be. Maybe some of you are like, man, I'm not so much fearful and anxious, but I'm frustrated. Frustrated by something, there's angst in my heart, in my soul. And if you had to describe what your heart looks like, it would not be still waters, but it, you might describe it as a polluted river. Now, when you think about a polluted river, it doesn't all of a sudden just happen that way. It's a little bit of trash here, a little bit of trash there negligence here negligence there and after a while of ignoring those things it piles up to the point to where it reeks and I wonder if you described your heart right now you would say man if I was to be honest because I'm frustrated I'm angry I'm bitter whatever it may be that's that's at the root of that that it's caused your heart to feel like a polluted river not calm waters and then there may be some of us, let's just be honest, if I had to ask you right now and, and we were in a place where, where you could be real with me and I asked you, man, how's your, how would you describe your heart? Maybe some of us would say, man, my heart is just fatigued, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, just completely worn out. In my heart, though, it wouldn't look like a whitewater rapid river or polluted river. It would maybe look like a stormy ocean. And just as one wave, I get over one wave hitting me, another one comes out of nowhere, and I am just fatigued, and I'm feeling discouraged. And so if that's you tonight, here's the title of the message tonight. 
based on Psalm 23 too. It's this question. Are you restless or are you experiencing rest? Because here's the idea that I want us to get tonight when we, as we unpack this short little verse in verse 2, but has such promise to it and hope to it. It's this idea that my heart is at rest when the Lord is my shepherd. Verse 1 talks about satisfaction of contentment. Verse 2 is really speaking all to rest. And the only way that my heart is going to experience true rest is when I acknowledge, when I see, when I believe, when I look in a fresh way and see God for who he is, that he is my shepherd. You know, I thought to myself, man, why so often do we experience restlessness instead of rest? And, and I really think you can divide it into two categories. The first category, often we experience restlessness because let's just face it, it's because of our rebellion and our sin. A lot of times we like to wag our finger at God and say, God, why did you do this? And before we do that, we need to examine our own heart and say, are there decisions that I have made that have caused me to be in this situation, in this unrest that I am experiencing, in this restlessness in my life? And so before we start blaming God, we need to look in the mirror and say, is this something that I have brought on myself because of me going against what God's word says in relationships, in life, whatever it may be? And oftentimes restlessness is experienced because of our sin. Ecclesiastes 8.13, there's many other passages that say this, but Ecclesiastes 8.13 says this, it will not be well with the wicked. Like somewhere along the line, I get confused in thinking that I can go my own way and sin against what my good shepherd is telling me leads to blessing. And somehow I can still get there on my own way. And the reality is that that never happens. And so if you're experiencing restlessness and not rest in your soul, if you're experiencing your heart being a polluted river or a stormy river or a, or a just a ocean of unrest, then we need to ask ourselves, first of all, is it a result of sin draining me? That's where I have to start. That's where you have to start. And maybe that restlessness, maybe that unease, maybe that angst, whatever it may be, is a way that God is disciplining you because he loves you, as Hebrews 12, 6 says, like a father loves his child. See, restlessness is often a result of our sin. But it's not just our sin. You may be here tonight and you're like, man, I've examined my heart. I've, if, I've sinned, but I've confessed it. I've, I've acknowledged it as God sees it. I'm in right relationship with him. I'm not perfect, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to live for the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. And yes, I sin, but I confess it. And so the reality is, is restlessness isn't just a result of our sin, though that's where we need to start. But often it's a result of our environment. Because we live in a sin-fallen world. Just under this roof tonight, guess what? We got lots of sinful people here, including the guy on the stage right now. We live in a sinful world. We rub shoulders every day with imperfect people. We experience things in our own bodies as a result of sin. 
disease and different things that plague us because of sin. We live in a sin-cursed world. And oftentimes, restlessness is a result of our environment. It's not so much that we did something wrong, but it's just the reality that we live in this world. And so in the midst of that fear, if that categorizes you, or that frustration, if that categorizes you, or that fatigue, if that is you tonight, and you say, man, if I'm really going to be honest, and you're encouraging me to be honest, as we're looking at God's word, I'm not too naive to think that some people might be here tonight and you're just going through the spiritual motions. You're singing the songs. You're going to say an amen. You're nodding along. But inside, you're struggling. But I want you to hear this. That is the perfect point. It's the perfect point for you to experience what is found in this verse of Psalm 23. Don't think that and say it's hopeless. Understand that that is the perfect point to discover that the Lord is your shepherd and what he desires to provide for you. David, if you weren't here last week and you didn't realize this, David was a shepherd before he was a king. He knows what it's like to shepherd in these fields, or not in these fields, but in these mountains often of Judah. And in that time of April, after April hits, this, the areas of Judah, especially in the desert mountain regions, can reach over 100 degrees. And so he knows what it's like to have this responsibility as a shepherd to say, I need to look for places to where my sheep can get out of the heat, can get out of the barrenness, can be under a group of trees, can it be fed by green pastures, can be next to something that will satisfy their thirst. David knows what that's like. He's drawing on the analogies of the responsibilities that he has as a shepherd, understanding that he serves the great and the good shepherd. But notice, go back to verse 2. And remember how I said every, every word is inspired by God, it's breathed out by God. And so when we come to these verses and you're like, man, what in the world is he going to talk about tonight? It's only verse 2. What's awesome is, is I get to take time and I get to just pick apart these words and these phrases. Because I don't know if you noticed this, maybe you never saw this before and you've, man, you're like, man, I have Psalm 23 memorized. Did you see what David says here in Psalm 23, 2, that would be significant. Because in order for the sheep to experience the green pastures, and in order for the sheep to experience the calm and refreshment of the still waters, in order to experience this resort-type experience that maybe comes to your mind when you read verse two, in order for that to be experienced, what does the shepherd has to do? have to do? He has to do what? He has to force the sheep to experience it. I don't see here, in, I, 
I've looked at every translation that's worth anything. And not one of them says, he asks me to lie down in green pastures. I'd, if I didn't know this verse, I'd be like, move on. There's, that's awesome. Ask me, Lord. I want to experience that. It doesn't say he invites me to the green pastures. Doesn't say that. He doesn't say, if you want to, come experience green pastures. No, what does he say? He makes me lie down. He doesn't ask. He doesn't invite. He makes me. Why? Because of what we looked at last week about sheep. Sheep are dumb. They don't know what's in their best interests. And if they're dumb, that would also mean that they're stubborn. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand. If you came in with a stubborn person tonight. So I'm just, because I'm the senior pastor here, I will raise my hand and say, I am stubborn and I am dumb. And as much as I would love to think that there are most often times in my life where I'm like, Lord, you don't even need to make me. All you need to do is ask. That's not the reality here. I think there's such significance there of what our shepherd has to do. Because listen to me, as long as you and as long as I am self-sufficient, as long as you think you're better at leading yourself than your shepherd, you will only find yourself becoming more restless. Have you ever experienced that in your life? That the more that, that, that you think that you have things under control, and the more you like to think better of yourself, and the more you get caught up into doing that, you don't really find more rest. You just find yourself becoming more restless. And I've found that to be true every time in my life, but unfortunately, I keep on doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. You know what that's called? Insanity. You know why? Because sheep are dumb. And we're stubborn. But I'm so thankful that even in, the, even in my fickleness and faithlessness that my good shepherd will make me. See, I think we got to ask ourselves, too, what are the green pastures and still waters? That's a good question. Wouldn't you say that? Like, if, as I was studying this passage of Scripture, I thought to myself, man, if I'm sitting where you're sitting, what would be the question I would ask when I look at this verse? And the question that I believe I would ask if I was sitting in your shoes and I have not studied this or heard this ever before, I would say, well, that's all well and good that he leads me, but what are those green pastures and what are those still waters? Because I'm not experiencing any of that. And listen to me, green pastures... And still waters are not only outcomes that you prefer to happen. See, that's what we get caught up into thinking. That this verse isn't true, and the reason why we say it's not true is because in our minds, we have defined what green pastures and still waters are. And when those things, those outcomes do not happen the way that we believe they should 
happen. Then we say, the Lord isn't worth being my shepherd. He's not going to lead me beside still waters. He's not going to cause me to experience green pastures. No, 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 that verse is totally bogus. It's totally wrong. But the problem is, is because we've gotten caught up into thinking that green pastures and still waters are temporal outcomes in our life. And that's not what we see in this passage of Scripture. John 14, 27, the good shepherd Jesus says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, not as the world gives do I give it to you. The world wants to tell us, our culture, our society, the way that we think, the way that the quote-unquote world thinks is that I experience rest by more things working out the way that I want to. What did I say? When I keep believing that I am my own good shepherd, that doesn't result in rest, it results in restlessness. That's why it says he makes me lie down. Because he knows, just as a shepherd knows of sheep, that they are stubborn creatures. And they are reluctant to ever lie down. See, Jesus says, my peace I give to you, not as the world does I, do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. See, God has to make us lie down so often. I wish I could give you story after story after story after story of my own life where God didn't have to make me lie down. But I can't give it, unfortunately. I may be able to give you a few, but more often than not, God in his grace has to make me lie down because it's not in my nature, and it's not in yours either. He so often has to put us in a situation that we can't get out of on our own. He has to put us in a scenario where every door that we try to open on our own, believing that we can lead ourselves better than Jesus, he puts us in a scenario where every door we try to open, guess what? It's locked. Everything that you believe, I can fix this, I can fix this, oh, I can fix this, oh, I don't need to share this, oh, I don't need to confess this to the Lord, I can fix this, and what happens? It continually breaks down in our life. Until you finally realize, until you finally submit that what God wants to renew in your life, only he can renew. That what God wants to refresh in your life, only God can refresh. That what God wants to empower in you, only he can empower. See, to lie down means you have to get low. The word literally means this. It literally means, so we're going to have to do a wide shot here if you're doing the camera. It literally means this. It doesn't mean I'm going to sit down. Okay, God, I'm no longer standing. Doesn't mean this. Okay, God, I'm ready because if you don't know what you're doing, I got enough time to get up real quick and go my own way. No, 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 it doesn't mean that. To lie down literally means to put myself all the way down and stretch out. That's what the word actually means, stretch out. So the only place that I can look is up. That's what the word means. 
It means to stretch yourself out so that the only place you can look is up. And so in the rest of my time, what I want to do tonight is I want to give you three scenarios that your shepherd provides rest. And I'm going to give you these three scenarios that even though you don't see them in verse 2 of Psalm 23, what's interesting is some of the study that I've done, because I am anything but a farmer or a shepherd. I'm from Orlando, Florida. No sheep hanging out there. So I'm anything but that. So I've done a lot of reading about sheep and shepherds and how that works. And I thought this was so interesting in regards to this verse that we find in Psalm 23, 2. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. Because the strange thing that I found about sheep is that because of their very makeup, it's almost impossible for them to be made to lie down unless three requirements are met. Now, you, depending on the farmer, you could say, well, I'm going to make five requirements, but I just, for lack of time, said, let's just boil them down to three. And if there's others, you could fit them under these. But I thought this was so interesting. And so I want to give you these three scenarios that sheep will actually lie down even though in their nature it doesn't suit them. And even though in your nature it doesn't suit you to be in a place where you're out of control, but it's in those times where God sovereignly places you in those times that you can try all you want, but the reality is is you're put in a situation where you literally can't control anything. And have you ever ever found in your life that, at least I do in mine, that Every once in a while, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and my mind will start racing and I'll start worrying and I'll start being fearful. I mentioned that last week. And it's never this. Oh, I wonder if the refrigerator door is open. It's never that. Did I set the alarm system? It's never that. It's never like, did the kids turn off their lights upstairs? It's never that. It's always things that, guess what, are completely out of my, say it with me, control. I can close a refrigerator door. I can flip off a light switch. I can put in the code to set the alarm. I can do that stuff. That never keeps me up at night. It's always the stuff that's out of my control because we're like sheep. See, here's the first scenario. Number one, your shepherd will make you lie down and lead you to the place where you trust that, number one, he provides rest when your heart is fearful. Fearful. The interesting thing about sheep, it's interesting we have a family in our church that actually I found out used to raise sheep. Um, here's the interesting thing about sheep. As long as there's even the slightest suspicion of danger, sheep will stand up ready to flee for their lives. There's even a hint once again, the significance of that word makes me lie down like you're flat on your back, stretched out. But think about it. When you're fearful and my, when I'm fearful, what is it rooted in? I just mentioned in the silly illustrations of what doesn't keep me up at night. When I'm fearful or anxious, it's always rooted in the reality that I know I can't control this situation. I can't control if mom and dad are fighting again and again and again and again and again. And again. 
can't control that. I can't control if corporate somewhere has to make cuts and I may lose my job. I can't control that. You can go on and on and on with different scenarios to try to touch each person in this room, but you know what it is and you know that I'm right. That I'm most fearful when I'm in a situation that I cannot control. But what I think is so interesting when we look at this verse in verse 2 is that God is telling us that we won't experience rest. See, that's what I believe green pastures and still waters are. They're the rest of my soul. Not restlessness, but rest. That I actually can experience green pastures and I actually can experience still waters even in the midst of tumultuous circumstances. I can actually experience those things in my life. Why? Because they are not temporal outcomes as we've already said. Though we rejoice in those times where God works out something the way that we prayed. And we embrace those, and we should, and we ought to rejoice when God does something differently, and we're able to actually see that that was better than this was. We rejoice in those things. But in those, those outcomes are not the still waters and green pastures. What that's referring to is the spiritual rest that you experience of your soul, the peace that Paul says in Philippians 4, 7, that surpasses all understanding. And I won't experience that rest until I understand that the Lord is my sufficiency. The Lord is the one who is self-existent. Remember, capital L-O-R-D, the tetragrammaton, the big daddy word. The self-sufficiency, the self-existence, the peace and the presence of Almighty God that I will not experience that rest, those green pastures, those still waters, if I am not looking to the Lord as my shepherd. You know what oftentimes causes the sheep to calm down when there's a threat of danger? It's when the shepherd steps in. See, when those sheep who trust their shepherd see that shepherd, all of a sudden now they begin to calm down. Why? Because they know that the shepherd's presence is there. And so oftentimes I get anxious. For me, it's the middle of the night. For you, it could be another time. You could be during the day or whatever it is. And it's in those times when I'm put in a place that I can't control, that I have to remind myself, wait a minute, the Lord, capital O-R-D, is with me right in this moment. I have nothing to be afraid of. Lord, in this moment, I want to experience green pastures and still waters, even though everything else is swirling around me. Why? Because I understand that the great and awesome shepherd is right there with me. Me. And listen, nothing, nothing, capital N-O-T-H-I-N-G, nothing will bring you that by looking to any person or anything other than the Lord. John 10, I actually want you to turn here. John 10, verses 7 through 17. We got to move quick, so I'm going to start reading. 
But in John 10, I told you last week to write John 10 next to your margin of Psalm 23 because that's where Jesus just unpacks that amazing passage of Scripture on how he's the good shepherd. But here's what I love because Jesus in John 10 in the passage that we're going to read speaks to our fear. Speaks to those times when danger comes in that's out of our control and wants to stir up fear in us just like it would in literal sheep. But it's interesting that Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you in verse 7, I am the door of the sheep. Interesting that he calls himself not just the good shepherd, but also the door. Why? He says, all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. I am the door. says it again. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, look at this, and will go in and out and find what? Say it, pasture. That what Jesus is literally saying is, I am the door. Nothing's gonna get in that is going to destroy you. I'm the door. And if something's gonna come in and mess with my sheep, they have to come through me first. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm the door. I'm not just the good shepherd. I'm actually going to lie in front of the opening to where the thieves and the wolves and the things that want to destroy you, they're not getting in. Why? Because I'm at the door. Nothing's getting in and nothing's getting out without going through me. I think that's so awesome. Jesus isn't just the good shepherd. He describes himself, he's the door. He, verse 11, lays down his life for the sheep. Now here's the problem. So many of us are looking at so many other things in our life. We mentioned this last week, but it's mentioned yet again here in verse 12. He says, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He says, listen, if you're putting your trust, if you're looking for your rest in any person or any other thing other than me, I can tell you what those things are going to do. That immediately when there's danger, they're going to flee and you're going to be open to attack. But I'm the door. I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. I'm the one who can provide you rest when you're afraid. Here's the second thing. Your shepherd will make you lie down and lead you to the place where you trust not only you can find rest when you're afraid, but here's the second thing, that you can, provide, you can be provided rest when your heart is frustrated. See, here's the second interesting thing I found about sheep that causes them not to want to lie down, not just when they're afraid, but when they're frustrated, when they're agitated. Because here's something that's true about sheep just like the rest of the animal kingdom. They have a pecking order. And there's always in a flock of sheep somebody who wants to be in charge other than the shepherd. The bully that literally wants to tell everybody else what to do. Who's not satisfied in just enjoying the green pastures and enjoying the still waters. No, no, no. That sheep also wants to be in charge and be the boss. And I wonder how many of us are experiencing fatigue in our heart right now because we believe that God has us in a place that we don't want to be. 
God, I should be here and I'm here. I should be doing that and I'm doing this. God, I should be married by now, but I'm still single. God, I should have a child by now, but I don't. God, my spouse should still be alive, but they're not. I should have gotten a good report from the doctor, but it hasn't happened. I thought I'd be further by now in this, but I'm not. And whatever it is, I could go on and on. And please hear me, I don't minimize any of those things that I just mentioned. I'm sensitive to those things. But at the same time, we can just be like the sheep and say, Lord, I don't believe you know what you're doing and you are not leading me to the place that I believe I should go. And what's interesting is what that does is that causes frustration in our heart and angst in our heart and anger in our heart. And maybe if anger is left unresolved, bitterness in our heart and resentment in our heart towards our great shepherd. And if we leave that frustration unaddressed, we are going to continue to fight when the shepherd wants to lay us down. And he will lay you down. And he will lay me down. But the shepherd in his mercy and his grace gives me every opportunity to lay myself down before he has to finally lay me down. And I wonder if it's frustration. God, I'm not where I should be. I'm not experiencing what I believe I should be experiencing in my life. Isaiah 26.3 says this, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Not when my mind is stayed on where I should be, what I should be doing, what I should have achieved by now, whatever it is. No, no, no. My mind experiences peace, rest, when it's stayed on you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Verses I've memorized a long time ago. Some of my life verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not with some of it, all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. I love to lean on my own understanding. But in all my ways, in all of my ways, not some of my ways, all my ways, I acknowledge him. And what will he do? He will make my path straight. He will lead me to the green pastures, to the still waters, to what he desires is best for me and what is going to give him the most glory. But I need to rest and trust that the good shepherd knows more about my life than I do. And I need to allow him and submit to him and lie down so he can lead. Here's the third thing. My shepherd will make me lie down and lead me to the place where I will trust, number three, that he provides rest when I'm fatigued, when you're fatigued. See, another thing about sheep is they will really struggle to lie down when there's a lot of 
insects and things that are bothering them, that are agitating them, species of flies that want to get up their nose and in their ears and ticks and all of those types of things. And a good shepherd knows that. So a good shepherd will, will dip the coats of those sheep and things to get rid of those ticks and do things to, to cause those agitations to flee from the sheep so they can experience calm. And I wonder, I want to ask you, what are the nuances in your life right now, the things that you would describe that at one time, eh, that's kind of annoying, but now it's gotten to the point because it just keeps happening over and 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 over again. And you're just flat out fatigued. You are spiritually worn out. Because it hasn't stopped. Well, if that's you, listen to Matthew 11, 28 and 29 where Jesus says, come to me. Come on, come. Put you flat on your back out of my grace, maybe out of my discipline, so you realize you need to come to me. Come to me. It doesn't say all who are feeling amazing. It says all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, that thing that the horses used to wear farming equipment take my yoke upon you and learn from me what does jesus describe himself as for i am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls you know what i've found that when i'm spiritually fatigued it's not because the lord isn't who he is it's because i've wanted to be the shepherd and not submitted to him being my shepherd and in order for me to experience rest for my souls, green pastures, still waters, I need to exercise what it says here, gentleness, meekness. Power under control is what that word means. Under whose control? The Lord's control. Johnny, stop trying to control everything. Guess what I can't control that I wish I could control? The weather. I really wish that I could say, I don't mind it snowing Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, just not Sunday. I wish I could do that, but I can't. And as silly as that is, I could list you many, many other things where the Lord is just saying, just come and rest and see, quit fighting, be meek, be, be gentle, understand that your power needs to submit under the power of the Holy Spirit. And then what does he say? Those who are lowly, be gentle and lowly. In other words, be humble. Don't fight getting low. Why does the Lord always have to make you lie down? Just lie down and experience the green pastures, experience the still waters, even in the midst of the calamity around you so you can rest rest because rest for you and for me is only found it's only found if I could say one thing over and over again it would be this phrase to your heart and to mine rest is only found in the Lord is my shepherd 
green pastures and still waters are only found when the Lord is my shepherd. And I just want to allow some quiet, some stillness, so that whatever it is you came in here with that you were restless about, that you can say, Lord, I'm going to lie down. I'm going to lie down. And in lying down, I'm going to lay those things down and know that I couldn't control them anyway when I had them in my hands. I'm going to lay them down so that I can experience the green pastures and the still waters of your Holy Spirit ministering to me. You may be here and say, I don't feel that. I don't, I can't, I'm not experiencing that. Ask the Lord to give that to you. Stop looking for the outcome to be the determining factor and look for his presence. Ask the Lord to make you feel his presence. I promise you, he will do it because he's done it for me. Let's just take a moment.